Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Six years ago this month, our family spent several weeks on vacation in southern Florida. We drove all the way from Windsor, Ontario to a place near Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which took well over 20 hours. It's a 20-hour drive. You have to add a few hours for stops, food and gas and the other stop. Um, And when you add that all up, it, it just amounts to an awful lot of time in a minivan that's packed to the gills. It's not a terrible drive, but there are parts of that trip that are just plain boring. Tennessee and Kentucky are pretty sweet, but parts of Ohio and northern Florida are very uninspiring, to say the least. And on that trip, I realized again that I'm the guy who's always focused on the destination. I'm fixed on the goal. I just want to get to Florida. I don't care what there is to see along the way. If you've seen one rest stop, you've seen them all. So I just want to get there. I, I, I'm focused on getting to Florida. I want, I want to feel the sun on my face. I want to feel the sand between my toes. I'm focused on the destination. But life is not just about the destination, is it? It's also about the journey along the way and how we get there. And this is a lesson that we actually learned from a guy named Samson in the Old Testament book of Judges. In fact, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, you may want to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Judges. The story of Samson takes place in Judges chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16. It's a long story. His story takes up quite a chunk of Scripture. And when you read that story, you come to know him as a champion. He's a champion in Israel. The last judge in a long line of judges. God appointed judges in the nation for one era of Israel's history. They served as as governors or directors of the nation. And it's both spiritually and physically. Samson was one of those judges. We also know Samson as the great defender of Israel, who actually overpowered a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. We know Samson was a very powerful man with unparalleled physical strength that had something to do with a Nazarite vow and the length of his hair. We know that Samson defeated more of the enemies of God in his death than he did in his lifetime. I mean, this is the stuff that movies are made of. Samson was a superhero. Or was he? Let's start at the beginning. Let's go back to Samson's beginning. The Bible says in Judges chapter 13 that an angel of the Lord appeared to Samson's mother when she was barren and announced that she would have a child. Judges 13 verse 2, there was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not borne children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, doesn't that sound awfully familiar to us? An angel of the Lord also appeared to Mary, who's the mother of Jesus, and said to her, Mary, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So it's rather exciting to note that, uh, that Samson and Jesus have similar birth stories. They do. Both of their births would, were announced by an angel. The conception, the marvelous, miraculous conception announced by angels. And, and, and they have similar birth stories, and that's because the story of Samson, the whole purpose of the story of Samson is to point us to Jesus. That's, that's why it's included in Scripture. It serves that purpose. The story of Samson is really a story that is, that is pointing forward to Jesus, who is to come, who is the perfect Samson, who is the, the superhero, who, that actually, who actually succeeded in doing uh, what, what Samson could not. Jesus set his people free. Samson had a little taste of that victory, but it was very limited. So from the very beginning, Samson's story points away from Samson. It points us to Jesus, the true and better Samson, who, as I said a moment ago, would succeed where Samson failed. So yes, their birth stories are quite similar. But their journeys could not be more different. And so we're going to look at Samson's journey for just a moment. As Judges chapter 14 gets underway, the birth story appears in Judges 13, but the next chapter, as it gets underway, Samson falls in love with a Philistine woman. And now this is not a good arrangement for anybody. You know, sometimes they say that love is blind, and, and here it certainly was, because this was not a good arrangement. The Jews were living under uh, the oppression of the ungodly Philistines. And so Samson literally falls in love with the enemy. He wants to marry the enemy. In chapter 14, verse 1, Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. They came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. You can almost hear him panting with lust. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised, ungodly Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. She was right in Samson's eyes, but in no one else's. So he disregards his parents' wise counsel. Samson gave in to his lust. He lived it, and he, he lived in that and lived to regret it because this woman actually ends up betraying him. She's a Philistine first and a lover of Samson second, and she betrays him and sells him out to the Philistines. She caused him nothing but grief. However, by the end of the next chapter, Judges 15, Samson has managed to deal with all of these problems, and he's managed to, to, to deal with the, the Philistine problem, and he goes on to be the judge of Israel for another 20 years. 
And then one day, as Judges chapter 16 opens, Samson goes down to a town called Gaza, and there he sees a prostitute. I mean, (laughs) has this guy learned nothing from his previous experience? Apparently not. He's more than enough of a superhero in terms of physical strength, but his interior life is a mess. I mean, he is, he is so broken, it's not even funny. Judges chapter 16, verse 1, Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and he went into her. The Gazites were told, Samson has come here, and they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They, they kept quiet all night long, saying, shh, let's wait until the light of the morning, and then we'll kill him. So this guy gets himself into more trouble because of his sexual desires, his sexual addiction. He just kind of goes from one bad experience with women to the next. He doesn't seem to learn anything. And like the, 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 any pattern of addiction or compulsion, the cycle will only increase in force and power when you feed it. And that's what he was doing. He was just feeding his addiction. Every time you go, you give in to temptation and look at porn on the internet. Every time you, you give in to temptation and take another drink. Every time you give in to temptation and pop another pill or whatever, you are feeding the cycle of addiction and compulsion and you are, you are giving it permission to increase in force and power. And you need a miracle to break free. So you see, life is not just about the destination for us. Life is not just about getting to heaven. It's also about the journey along the way and how we live out that life by the grace of God. Just as important. So you may be on your way to heaven, but your life here on earth should reflect the life and the love of the Lord Jesus. Well, it's, it's Father's Day. So dads, let me, just, let me just ask you a question. Does your life reflect the life and love of Jesus? Simple question. Maybe hard to answer. I'll just leave it with you. Back to Samson and back to Judges chapter 16. After this, after he had been to Gaza and after he had spent time with the prostitute... He loved yet another woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. What is wrong with this guy's head? He just keeps feeding his lustful addiction and uh, his addiction to unhealthy relationships. Instead of starving it, he, he keeps feeding it. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him and see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him, and we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. She's seeing dollar signs now. Oh, man, I could make money on this. And so Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. Hello? Do you think he might be a little suspicious? <laughs> I mean, if he had two brain cells bouncing around in his head, he would become suspicious. 
When she says to him, hey, tell me what the source of your strength is and how somebody might bind you up so that you can't get away. But instead of dealing with it, instead of hightailing it out of there, instead of leaving her, he lies to her. And they play this very dangerous game, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know how the the story goes. And finally, he tells her the source of his strength. Verse 17 says, he told her all his heart. Now, that's a whole sermon on its own, fellas. He told her all his heart. Hang on to that thought for a sec. I think a man should tell all of his heart to only one woman, and that's the woman that he marries and stays married to for the rest of his life. Are you with me? Do you agree with that? And a woman should tell all of her heart only to the man that she's married for the rest of her life. Because when you tell all of your heart to someone else, you're, you're giving too much away. So that, that, that was free of charge. He told her all his heart and said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. She goes to the Philistines. They pay her the money, and they capture Samson. Look at verse 21. The Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles, and he ground at the mill in the prison. This guy who had attained superhero status in Israel uh, because of his strength, he slays a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey, now has his eyes gouged out, and he's grinding grain in the prison. I mean, this is anything but a superhero, right? He rejected the wisdom of his parents. He failed to follow God's command. He refused to deal with his sexual addiction. He, he gives in to lust over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And he ends up paying a very heavy price. So where does he end up? What is the destination? We're told in verse 21 that the Philistines seized him gouged out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza, bound him in shackles, and turned him into a slave. What a terrible place to end up. But then again, there may be some of you here today who are living in shackles. You feel like You're in a prison. Your circumstances, your situation, the choices you've made, the stuff you've done, oh, it feels like a prison, doesn't it? Go one more verse and you read this, 1622. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Ooh. Wow, we're sensing a turning point in the story, aren't we? It's an indication of things to come. His hair began to grow again. And then verse 23, Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to rejoice. And they said, Our god has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw Samson, they, they praised their god. So at first glance, it seems like, like their god, their, 
that this pagan god Dagon has actually won. The, the people are standing in praise of, of this idol named Dagon and, and giving credit to Dagon. And God's failed rescuer is brought before them to entertain them. Verse 25. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars on which the house stands, that I may lean against them. See, he's not finished yet. He's got something up his sleeve. Put my hands on the pillars. I want to feel the pillars. He's not ready to give up. His eyes are gouged out. He's been made a slave, but his hair... His hair has begun to grow again, and he's not willing to quit until the very end. Brothers and sisters, there's a lesson in that for us. As bad as it gets, it's always too soon to quit. Verse 27, now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, and on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. So the scene is set, and for only the second recorded time in all of Scripture, Samson prays. And he says, O Lord God, please remember me, and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And then he bowed with all of his strength, and and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he killed during his life. And so, God used Samson at the very end of his life to bring a measure of freedom to the people of God. We know that Samson was a great defender of Israel. We know that he defeated a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. We know that Samson was an extremely physically powerful man with unparalleled physical strength. We, we know that Samson defeated more of the enemies of God in his death than he did in his lifetime. But friends, this is not a story about Samson, the superhero. This is not a story about the strength of Samson or, or, or the length of his hair. This is a story about the God of grace and how God's power is made perfect in our weakness. This is a story about the God of grace and how God is faithful to us even when we're unfaithful to Him. This is a story about the God of grace who keeps His promise even when we break our promise to Him. This is a story about the God of grace whose grace is much greater than all our sin. This is a story about the God of grace who took a broken, sinful man at the end of his life and used him to bring glory and honor to himself. Only God can do that. Right. 
So you see, life is not just about the destination. Life is not just about getting to heaven. It's also about the journey and how we get there and how we live out our lives one day at a time by the grace of God. It's also a good reminder that it's never too late. Right? This is a story about grace where there is forgiveness and a fresh start and a new beginning for any who are willing to trust in Jesus. It's Father's Day. My family was over yesterday in the 19 minutes of the week that we didn't have rain. <laughs> we were able to barbecue salmon and some sausage and just have a wonderful celebration. It was glorious. But I know that a lot of dads on this day are looking in the rearview mirror and there's a fair bit of regret there because, well, you think you could have done better. Dad, listen to me. This is a journey of grace. And there is forgiveness. And there is a fresh start. And there is new hope. And Jesus is the only hero who can rescue us from sin and death and from all the mistakes that we've made along the way and fill our hearts with hope and bring healing to our lives and to our families. Jesus is the only hero who can take our weakness as dads, our weakness as parents, our weakness as people. Jesus is the only one who can take our weakness as, as followers of Jesus and turn it into his strength. That's his specialty. He said, my, my strength is perfected in weakness. Samson blew it badly. His journey was full of sexual impurity and pride and, and selfishness and a lack of obedience to God and rebellion and, and an unwillingness to listen to the wisdom of his parents. And on and on it goes. So I'm thinking this morning, if God can use a guy like Samson, Maybe he can use me. Maybe he can use you. Maybe there's room enough. Maybe there's grace enough for us to make a significant impact in the world in which we live, in the circle of influence that we have before Jesus comes or before my last breath. Should we pray about that together? Would you join me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, for the, for the welcome that we receive as we come into your presence, we praise you for that. For the, for the freedom we have to call you Abba, Father, especially on a day like today, we adore you. For the assurance we, we have of, of daily mercy and steadfast love, Lord, we worship you. There's no other God like you. No one who's more worthy to be loved with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
You know our weaknesses, and you do not despise them. You, you know our brokenness, and you will not shame us. You know our sorrows, and, and you are filled with compassion to overflowing. You, you know our foolishness, and you promise more grace. Thank you, Lord. With our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, Lord, we ask you to forgive us. Forgive us for relying on human strength and human wisdom more than we rely on you. We trust in the marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds all of our sin and all of our guilt. And today, by the grace of God, we rest in Jesus Christ, our Savior.